Gaming on the Frontier. This is Bruce. This is Trav. And this is Jonathan. Welcome to Gaming on the Frontier, your podcast of taking what everybody thought was the way things were done in this game and turning them upside down. You can do that with that? There's an app for that? There is an app for that. always an app for that. There is. Okay. And uh, it's called Do What You Want to Do which has always been the Gaming on the Frontier and all of its iterations policy. We do believe in identifying what is the, uh, I don't know, canon, the rules as written, okay? But then we don't think that we need to be, you know, and especially you don't think that you need to be limited by that as long as you understand that you are deviating from the canon and the consequences of doing that oh yeah i got into a very big argument many years ago with uh uh, somebody on on the uh, yahoo forums uh because i said look i'm not saying you shouldn't do what you're doing i'm just saying is is it do you think there's a point where all the changes you're you're doing makes it not fringe worthy that you're playing maybe some other game and if you're if you're trying to play Fringeworthy, maybe not every idea is a good one. Well, she just didn't like that at all. <laughs> she thought that was, and I got I got I got dogpiled by uh, uh, a whole lot of people who apparently wanted to impress her. I don't know I don't know why, but I did. I think you told me about this years ago. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Uh, well, I, I have the entire. Uh, oh, I know you got it all. Yeah, you, you, yeah. you, yeah. The message thread I, I downloaded it before Yahoo Groups went bye bye, so I, I have like four hundred megs of of uh, file uh, of message files and things like that that were sent up. But anyways, so that's a really important issue. Okay, is that you know we're talking about in this case deviating from canon. We're talking about new portal powers, new key powers. And so that can really change your game. That can, you know, that can change the game away from the game as written. And folks, we've already done that. Okay, in the 2008 edition, what we said was is that all these problem portals are normal functions for the portals. They're just randomly or haphazardly been delivered you know, been set on these various, you know, portals as a result of the... The logic bomb set by the Melor, I thought. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. And as a result, uh, that when, you know, if it doesn't operate in the normal fashion, a lot of times it can be very problematic, uh, especially uh, if it's something like you walk through the portal and you find yourself a thousand feet in the air. That could be a problem. Yeah. 
You know, and, and I, I got to tell you that, you know, we, we came up with ideas like, you know, walking through with a uh, rope or other things like that. No, you know, not one person has ever said, well, I'm going to carry, I'm going to, I'm going to carry a, a parachute just in case. Nobody's ever done it. <laughs> and I don't know why not, because, you know, in some of the worlds we've gone to, there's been illusions. And somebody who wants you, who knows, whose friends are aware, could put the portal up on the top of a mountain or something like that with a, you know, with a safe spot. But then, you know, or whatever, you know, they they could put like an illusion around it, and then you know, you go out and stuff happens. Okay. Anyways, uh, so it always never ceases to amaze me how little care people use when they go out. Though, frankly, in the last adventure we just finished up. Uh, more or less, which was uh, the invasion of the uh, deep, uh, or I should say the the, the far out uh, early warning system in the Bureau 13 uh, uh, solar system. They have a uh, monitoring station on Pluto, and there was something coming that was going to hit Pluto relatively near to the monitoring station, and the Fringeworthy were uh, drafted into going out and making sure that these people would be able to uh, escape onto the fringe paths uh, because they were all Fringeworthy, by the way. The, the people monitoring, doing the monitoring out there, they were all Fringeworthy. Uh, and uh, so make sure they got onto the fringe paths if, if things went south because they, you know, they, they wanted to like take measurements and do all that cool stuff that, you know, scientists like to do when things like, you know, asteroids hit the planet or whatever. And, uh, it got very, very, very interesting. And, uh, finally they ended up having to go onto the surface of, 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 uh, Pluto and they came out and I had, okay, first person out, roll me a D10, roll a nine. I said, okay, you're standing on a nine-degree slope and you've done nothing to to cool your feet before you walk through the portal, so you're vaporizing all of the liquid nitrogen, all of the solid, I'm sorry, the frozen nitrogen that's on the surface of the planet, and you are sliding like a mother down the <laughs> slope. <laughs> and they're all like, what do I do? What do I do? I said, I don't know. Will you tell me? What, did you, what do you do? So... So, that some, a lot of them ended up, you know, many, many, many feet, you know, away from the portal and a little bit more than a little bit uncertain how they were going to get back to it because of that. So uh, it, it was quite, a, and I did it every single, every single person that came by, every single one did it, every single one of them had a problem, except the last person, well, not the last, who said, I'm going to go through the rope, you guys hold the rope, you know, and they're all going, but that won't work because the portal will pull the rope through. And I'm like, at one sixteenth of a of an inch a second, <laughs> it's gonna take a long time for that thing to pull through. It's okay, and they're all like, oh, it's, you know, <laughs> just like, you know. Anyways, um, Ken, if you're listening, you know, <laughs> Cause, cause one one of my players has has started, you know, um, listening to the podcast, you know. Yes, I know how ironic, right? My own, my own players usually don't bother to listen to the podcast, even though I've told given them all these great ideas. But anyways, so we are talking about uh, additions and modifications 
to the existing uh, portals, uh, the portal system, especially the ones that we, the new powers and such that we added to uh, the system in uh, the to the portal powers or the 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 uh, and the and the key powers that we did in the 2008 D20 Modern Edition of Fringeworthy. Uh, there, there was one more that was added in the D uh, in the Savage World playtest, and that was Fine Portal because that didn't exist before. Before that time, so unfortunately, that edition never published. So you guys, you know, uh, but you can get a copy of the playtest. Anybody who'd like to try Savage Worlds and using that version um, of character generation uh, that was done by John Ryer. Uh, just let us know. You know, post it. Uh, post a request to the this site here, Podbean, or you can do it through our various Facebook groups, or even send a uh, uh, send an email to one of our hosts. Because believe me, we're not that hard to find on the internet. Oh no, no. <laughs> Especially Trav, who, who yeah, his radio show every single week on the podcast at the at the end of the of the credits. Yep. Okay, so let's get going. The, uh, the, the first set uh, is the defense functions, and uh, they are limited in various ways by uh, the power of the crystal or in the Savage Worlds edition, you have to take them as, uh, as edges at higher and higher levels, you know, because you start off as novice, veteran, um, what's after veteran? Hero. I think maybe until finally you get the legendary. So, yeah, I think yeah. so. Yeah. So each of these various defense functions, which start off at ten electrical slash burn and all radiation uh, for uh, D four hours in, in each version, ups it by the amount it'll do until you get up to a full ten D ten hours. So uh, if you wanted uh, if you wanted to change any of this this particular feature uh, or add to it uh, what would you like to do Jonathan I would probably add a little bit more to other types of energies because we just right now this defensive mode only protects against electrical attacks burn attacks or electrical damage and burn damage and then radiation right so and by radiation they mean hard radiation right like gamma and and all that good stuff. Beta particles, yeah, you know, ec you know, X-rays, cosmic rays, things yeah, like that. Even alpha particles. So, yeah. I would, yeah, I would probably add in a few other energies. Um, I would expand burn to be all thermal, so it protects you from excess heat and excess cold. Oh, so what, like environmental heat and cold, like? Oh, I'm go well. I mean, see, then I would that, say more targeted. Uh, uh, I would say okay, attacks, not environment, because if you want environmental protection, that's what the electrostatic dome is for. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, this yeah. is more for like localized exposures. So for like, like in OGL, in OGL, anything listed with the fire or cold descriptor. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah, like you could use, you could hold, you could be, you could activate this function and dip your hand in some liquid nitrogen and be okay for a few seconds. All right. Do you think, uh, you know, now the way it is right now, it's, it, it's basically you use up 40 points at, uh, at the maximum and then it doesn't work anymore until you go through a portal to recharge it. 
Yeah. Right, because it has to expend the energy. Personally, I would I would prefer it to just simply be they absorb up, you know, that basically they absorb that amount of damage per per attack, per instant or whatever for the full duration. I wouldn't like I, I don't I really don't think it should run out this as quickly as it does. It's almost you know, it's 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 a little it's a little less useful as for like a technician who's going through and he's in a, you know, maybe they think you know, that that somebody who goes through is going to have all kinds of Commonwealth type tech things anyways, and they don't need the, the. But why would you give it to the key if you know if it wasn't you know to be used? Okay, um, is it just something to you know? keep you safe long enough for you to go and you know uh look at look at the your little furry buddy and say hey it's cold protection but you know how about it that's where i actually kind of look at it looking at, at the powers that at least that's kind of what guided me with my uh, ideas is that the keys are your you know your keys to the portals but they're also like a survival tool they're like okay in case something goes wrong here's some powers to keep you alive long enough for you to find help or for help to find you well, I'm just saying that, you know, if I was to change it, what I would do is that I would first, I would say is it's not 10 points and then it's gone. It's 10 points per whatever is causing it until the, um, you know, for the for the duration that you get, okay? Right. Well, no, I'm, I'm looking at this and it, with, with how it could be ambiguous. It's, okay, well, I'm, I'm on the fringe for the D20 chart here, page 63, and it's absorbed 10 points of electrical burn damage. Okay, no, I thought there was some ambiguity. Uh, the all radiation is for D4, 6, 8, and 10 hours. Right. From how I read it, yeah, it's just you suffer 10 points of electrical or fire damage. And then after that, until you go back through the portal and you know reset it, so to speak. Okay, yeah, I thought there was some ambiguity there in the... Excuse me in the in the writing, right? I'm good. So, yeah. So I'm just saying, as a defense mode, it's it's pretty weak, and so you know, I, I think that you know, if you want people to spend skill points to be able to do crystal powers and things like that, it seems like you know you should make it a little bit more useful for for that purpose, because you're already limiting it by saying it has to be a certain level of crystal, or you have to have you know you don't even get the really good edge until later. Because, you know, if someone goes and, um, you know, and, and, and uses some kind of electrical attack against you, 10 points is, is, is it helps, but it's not, it's not going to save your bacon. It just might make you more able to endure it. Yeah, that's, on, that's the average roll for a 3D6 lightning bolt. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm just saying is that, you know, it'd be nice if you had the ability to do this. Uh, now... Some people, some GMs might just say, hey, well, you're just basically, you know, at the highest level, you're just basically making these people immune. You know, they're not going to be able to use any lightning bolts you say against them, okay? Or they can use it once and then it can't work, but you're saying change it so that now it, uh, you know, now for like hours they're going to be immune to it. Well, it depends on the game you want to play. So, you know, I'm just suggesting that maybe if you want it to actually be in a sense of a, a real defense uh, um, rather than just something that's there 
tactically to help you through a D&D type combat that uh, maybe this is uh, something that, you know, because they, because what would happen is people would come out and they would say, all right, well, this is going to last 10 hours or up to 10 hours, so let's go ahead and turn it on. You know, we're walking into the Lost City. I'm going to turn it on right now so I have this defense going. Right. I don't... I don't see a problem with with that, you know, because you. I mean, I don't. I'm pretty sure you can only use one crystal power at a time. Uh, I don't think that's true. Huh? Let me is let that, me look in because I'm looking there, here in the. Uh, there is a limitation though, because it's not like you can just constantly be firing off these powers. I know there's the you can only use them once every 15 minutes or suffer constitution damage. Right. Right. And that's and that's kind of like the limitation there. Another change that I would like to make is is that you know it has D four, D six, D eight, D ten, meaning that even at the highest level you might roll one. Yeah, yeah. I'd rather it be changed to D four, D four plus two, D four plus four, and D four plus six, <laughs> so that when you're running it at the highest level, you've got you you've got a guaranteed seven hours of operation. Because that seems like something that's at the highest level of of, um, of power would be, you know, what you would need there. Okay, I, I, I have two things here about the the defense mode, and you know, one about the defense mode and one about activating powers. Again, in the D20, which, as I said, you can use for Pathfinder, it's not a problem. Except for attuning and fringe-worthy detection passive, all functions must be activated as a standard action. Basically, that means for those of you, as I said, our the last official fringe-worthy game for TriTac was of the D20 edition. I mean, the Savage Worlds, it's all speculative and everything because there wasn't an official... It's still an action. Right. Uh, they say yeah. it's a standard action, which means... In, in combat, you could operate, you could create, you could kick in another function, but it takes half of your round. You have a move action left. Like, okay, I'm running from the monster heading toward the portal. I kick in the defense mode so it, you know, protects me from the plasma blast that it's shooting from its mouth. Right. And then, oh, I want to activate this function. Okay, on your next round. But yeah, it's very... Well, wait a minute. You can do two standard actions in a round if you spend a hero point from the advanced player's guide. You could... You'd be burning through hero points, but you'd be able to you know, activate more powers. And it doesn't say anything about having multiple powers on at once. It's hmm, no, okay. except for offensive mode, portal adjustment, portal detection, and fringe-worthy detection active. Once activated, no concentration is required. Deactivating them is a free action. Okay, yeah. You could have multiple powers going at once. It's just it takes a standard action to activate each one except for attuning and passive fringe-worthy okay. detection. And also... That is, that is something I would probably change. I would probably have it be... if Because my, my opinion is make it a little bit more predictable. Like, like for instance, I wouldn't even have a die roll to see how long the defensive mode lasts. It would just be a set amount because just to me and my, my design philosophy, defensive abilities, you should know what you're getting. Yeah, be a randomness to defense. Now, offense, yeah, that can be as random as you want. There's there's a joy in in how is this attack going to kill them? It has the potential to, but it might also just whiff. But defense, if I'm using a defensive ability, I want to know what I'm getting. Right. Yeah. 
and also about the um, absorbing of energy in OGL there is the concept of energy resistance yeah I that was something else I was going to think say well, yeah. well, well here's the thing okay from how I'm reading it here originally it's you absorb the 10 points and that's it you can't absorb any more no make it like energy resistance that means every attack you get hit with you take that number off that attack now here's the, the kicker about this that's what i said even your energy resistance spells and let's say the psi powers from like um ultimate psionics or the occult adventures handbook in your ogl depending on what type of psi you use it only goes up to energy resistance 30. Uh, I think, like, if you even make magical armor greater energy resistance, if you're crafting, like, ma oh, I want to have plate mail that has energy resistance against fire. The highest you could ever go is 30. You have a level 11 crystal. That's energy resistance 40 for fire and electrical. That makes you you know, the BMF in like a laser battle or something. Because if you're hitting somebody with 40 points of uh, fire or electrical damage, that better be, uh, let's see, the stats. I think we're talking like a vehicle-mounted weapon or a very high-level spell for to take 40 points of damage. If you're holding that, that well, let's see, a level 11 key is, oh, it's a rainbow key? Oh, no, if there's somebody holding a rainbow key... 40 points off each attack for as long as you're holding that key. Oh, no, you could walk through a, fi a laser firefight and feel a little warm, if that. So, yeah, I would change those not from a set limit until you go back to the portal, but as energy resistance as per the spell. Yeah, I, that's because I'm... I have a little bit more familiarity with fifth edition than uh, the OGL. I mean, I played third edition D and D, but yeah, that's so OGL. Yeah, I yeah, I know. That's what I'm saying, though. That's it's been so long since I've touched that. Um, my, you know, I, my memories are more remembering fifth edition, where they've kind of simplified the resistance, and now it's just you have resistance against something; it's half damage, flat out, no matter what. Oh, okay, all right, I like and that. If, yeah, it, you have resistance and immunity, and that's it. Those are your two stats. Yeah. And vulnerability as well, I guess. Negative resistance, but... Yeah, for uh, but yeah. Pathfinder and OGL, that's... If you have a vulnerability to something, that's one and a half times more damage. So if you're sucking 50 points of damage, no, no, it's 75 now. Yeah. Oof. Yeah. yeah that would probably... I'd, it depends on the system you're in, too, because some well, systems right, yeah. don't even have points. Remember that we're really talking about essentially like a 12th level caster casting some some kind of like electrical thing so but you're getting this power okay um it's either you ha you know you don't get it until you get a crystal which we said before the crystals should be the higher level crystals should be kept for the late game or they should be very hard to find and in uh and in savage worlds you have to be a very very high level uh you have to be a legendary character even to get some uh, this particular power so the people you're running into are going to be delivering enormous amounts of damage to you so this is essentially this the the same concept that's been through D D and every other game out there which is power parity okay which is is that no matter how high level you get you end up fighting somebody who's just about your same level 
Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. So you know the fact that they're there, you can absorb forty points of electrical damage and, and take no damage from it. Just is is, is because other you normally would be you know a, a big attack by somebody who would be doing like fifteen dice of damage to you or something. Okay, and you know, but if you were if you were a low level person, they might be doing you know two d eight damage to you, and you could absorb ten points of that. So you could you could essentially take up to six points of damage as a result of that attack as a result of having this. Uh, now, of course, it only applies to one person. Yeah. Uh, now we are saying, as far as the defense mode is concerned, um, the uh, you can basically do it, and stick it in your pocket. Okay. Most of the powers that have to do with the uh, keys, uh, you have to have it in your hand. You have to be using it. It takes up a slot, if I may use that term. Yeah. Okay, so that makes a big difference uh, as far as that. You know, in Savage Worlds, you're, you know, you can be two-fisted. You can make two attacks. You can use something in one hand, and then you can, like, shoot a gun with the other. But that means you're going to be minus two to both things because you're doing two things at once. You know, that's why they have that edge, which is... Uh, is it two-fisted, where you get to basically have something in each hand uh, and not take a minus from it? Uh, but anyways, but they have to be two different things, you know, uh, in order to do that. Anyways, so, but looking also at the Savage Worlds, they do it completely different. In John's thing, instead of, uh, uh, instead of basically saying you take away X amount of damage, he says that you get a virtual wound slot so that if you took damage enough to give yourself a wound this it would come off this virtual slot first okay i like that okay and of course the higher the higher level defense modes takes gives you you know it, it on a uh it basically uh gives you two virtual slots on a raise you get two virtual slots you know, when you use it so uh on the activation so and that and that's how he basically handles it. I'm not quite sure. Um, uh, and and he do, he doesn't use the 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 damage reduction, which is here. He just uses this other thing instead. So that's that's a, another option, which is to say, hey, um, if you're uh, that this thing instead of giving you um, hit points, you know, uh, I mean, it can give you virtual hit points or it can give you virtual hit points in addition to, you know, other things. So, you know, in games where it's, uh, where you basically roll to physically hit the person, you know, as in, you know, I, you know, first I see if I hit you, then I see if I do a damage to you versus D and D where first we roll to see if you take any damage at all. And if you do, it comes off of these mythical hit points, you know, which are, you know, a combination of luck and training. And, you know, there's, there's, we've all heard the story. So, um, yeah. you know, and so therefore these, this additional hit, this hit point reduction, it just basically says you're more lucky with this. So anyways, uh, it's, it's how you, your game system is going to inform this particular thing. But I do think that these defense modes need to be beefed up. Okay, I think the duration should either be set or they should have a, um, uh, they had a term for it, uh, a static. There's a static value plus a, uh, a randomized value, okay? 
and that it shouldn't apply just for one attack or up to 20 points, but rather it should be a reduction that applies to any um, uh, any damage that uh, makes sense. And uh, I don't think we need to do anything with the, uh, the flashlight, the D4 plus 20 hours. See, that's what I'm talking about. He has a static value and a D4. See, that makes perfect sense to me. And uh, however, um, I thought about adding the ability to, instead of just shining out um, uh, a white light like you know, what humans use, that you would actually have the ability to tune the flashlight. Maybe you want to just send out uh, ultraviolet, okay, which could and therefore make things glow that are fluorescent. Okay, yeah. <laughs> I could see, yeah, you could do, you could do, I'd say you could do anything within the, at least the non-harmful EM spectrum. Right, right. Or let's say you're wearing uh, some um, uh, infrared goggles or something like that. You, uh, A lot of them have active, you know, where they shine a light out, but the range is relatively limited. This thing here could send out a big, powerful uh, infrared beam that is still not like burning somebody up, but you know nobody can see that light coming out. You're um, you know you're busy basically uh, illuminate, letting everybody see, and everybody and 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 you turn your keep your normal lights off so you, everybody can see well in the dark because they've got you know night scopes and things like that. And and the thing is, this 120 feet. That's that's big because you know exactly. a torch is only was a twenty foot normal light and then another twenty feet dim light and I believe the flashlight stats from like D twenty modern it's a thirty foot cone. You have this thing shining one hundred and twenty feet. You're like the light on a lighthouse, <laughs> or how did? It's like those flashlights they used in X Files that always amazed me. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Or no? How did how did Eric sing it when something was Eric the Enabler sing it when something was bright? Oh, little town of Bethlehem. Yeah. <laughs> Where it says you could, I mean, you could, yeah, 120 foot range flashlight. Yeah, would blind somebody. It's just, I'm sorry, you could get, you know, right. do an attack with that, and they're dazzled for one round. I mean, just geez. Yeah, it just. Yeah. Now Richard tried to be cute with the uh, with the flashlight. He said that the color of the beam matches the color of the crystal. Gray, white, clear, rainbow crystals shine with white uh, with white light, and black crystals shine with UV light. <laughs> it's like you know, so they actually do have a UV white, the, the just the black crystal. But I would like the people be able to actually tune these things, you know. And you could even sense, uh, yeah. yeah, I mean. Uh, uh, and and if, if, for example, you knew that a particular race uh, was couldn't see a color, couldn't you know was actually unable to uh, not differentiate, but actually even be able to read it, especially on the upper and lower ends of the spectrum. A lot of other some animals actually can see further into the ultraviolet than we can. Bees, for example, uh, they they see flowers much differently than we do. Similarly, there might be a race that that is more limited, more shift in that direction. So you or down the other way, and you could actually shine a light that you could see with, and they couldn't see it at all, just using your normal eyesight. 
So I think it would be great if, they, if we enhance that flashlight function to allow the player to say, I'm going to do, you know, this kind. Uh, I only want it to shine violet light, or I only want it to shine red light. Red light's great. I mean, you get, you, you're trying to develop film, right? And, uh, and red light doesn't ruin the film, but other light does. You know, not everybody carries a red light with them. <laughs> yeah, it's true. You know, red light also doesn't ruin your eyesight when you're driving along. Suddenly you're going along and someone says, oh, here, let me use the crystal to light, to light up that map. Boom! Nobody, everyone loses their night sight. So, yeah, if you could uh, have the ability to shine only certain colors of light, I think that would be uh, uh, an enhancement. And, of course, you could always use it to do cool stuff. <laughs> Well, no, it's when you mention that it shines ultraviolet light, my mind goes right to the remark from Quill from Guardians of the Galaxy. Just... Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And Quill, your ship is disgusting. She walks away. You have no idea. You give me a black light, this place will look like a Jackson Pollock painting. You've got mm. issues, Quill. <laughs> but no, it would be the UV light, former CJ major here, folks... That would work in forensics yeah. type situations. Yeah. yeah. That would be like, let's see, for I'd say D20 stuff, plus five for perception because you're going to pick up things with the ultraviolet light you normally wouldn't know. So, yeah. Might enhance your investigation because people actually do write things in ultraviolet. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Sense, I mean, you know, invisible ink comes in ultraviolet also there's a number of um markers uh that they use to redact um uh top secret documents turns out that they were transparent to uh the the, the black the black ink was transparent to uh ultraviolet light aha <laughs> yeah <laughs> so having that available to you as a player could really uh, you could really pull an end run around your GM if he if your GM isn't on top of all that kind of stuff. So just something to keep in mind. Uh, all right, I don't think we need to do anything with the cutting torch. I think it's fine. Yeah, um, stats are fine. The time is fine. Yeah, yeah. I uh, moving on to the offensive modes. I. Uh, you know, it basically, uh, it does damage and stun. Uh, and uh, I think they're fine the way they are because generally, because again, we're, you know, we don't, the, you know, on one hand, everybody wants the crystal to be like the Swiss Army knife of fringe worthiness. Okay. Yeah. On the other hand is, is that, you know, the Tamellern were, um, uh, you know, we're, we're not violent people. They were, you know, they tried to be as inoffensive as possible. So having a relatively low-level offensive mode that mostly, if, if mostly what it did was stun, if anything, um, is, to me, makes a lot more sense than to, than to you know, pile the, 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 the offensive powers on. Uh, now, what... Um, uh, what they did in Savage World with John is is that he in the in the D twenty book it's basically one person one target. What he said was is that he's gonna uh, he gave it an, uh, an improved offense, which said, hey, you can if you get a raise, you can actually do this in a large burst template, 
which is uh, like 30 feet in, every, in, in each direction, I believe. Oh, yeah, I like that. I like that. So you could actually stun everybody around you and, you know, and, and run out of a situation where everyone's trying to grab you. So I like that. Um, and, of course, if, if in other game systems, you might have to take this as an improved version of offensive mode, okay, but it, uh, or an edge uh, or a feat. Or, but, you know, but it's uh, in, in Savage Worlds, it's just a higher level called improved offense. So you, know, you get to take easily offensive modes, and you can take approved offense, which turns allows you on a raise to turn that offensive mode into a burst, uh, burst template. Let's see. D20, I would say, <clears throat> excuse me, because you have 2D4 plus stun, fort save plus 15, 2D8 plus stun, fort save versus 20, 2D12 plus stun, fort save versus 25. I would say make a second because it's the it's the uh, OGL skill crystal use. You're making a crystal because activating functions are all free actions. You could sit there and have your hands in your pocket and all of a sudden be surrounded by you know thugs with guns. You make those two crystal use rolls, one to broaden it to thirty feet around you, and another one for the power itself. That two free actions. That's nothing. That's the guy telling you. Get your hands out of your pockets. And before they lower their guns at you, you activate that crystal use and everybody within 30 feet drops to the ground. So, yeah, I mean, it. it I would say for the OGL, just it's a second roll at the same DC of the blast you're using to give it the radius effect. So, yeah. I would consider any offensive mode to be a standard action myself. Well, yeah, it, it, it's uh, yeah, all, uh, page sixty-two. All functions must be activated as a standard action. Okay. You could do the the um so where's the, the radius where's the, the radius as a as as a a move action. That okay. way, then it'd be altogether a full round to activate the crystal to do that. Okay. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, either way, uh, I, I think you know. Like I said, I, I don't want to. I don't want to improve the uh, 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 improve the pow uh, the the offensive damage to, to in each individual. Uh, but I do like the idea of maybe doing it in an area of effect rather than just a single person. Yeah, this is Termellan Bear Mace. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. It's it's uh Stun everybody so I can run, run away, run away. Yeah. You know, which is very, very, um, very Tamellernish. You know, uh, okay. All the things that come after that on our list about warp fine adjustment, portal detection, all that stuff, fringe worthy detection. I think they're fine just the way they are. Um, uh, they, there's, it's, there's a big long list of them. They start off at ten feet and go up to. Uh, uh, well, you know, but he, and and by the way, it's 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 not really written very well. It says portal adjustment. We're talking, you know, moving portals. You're moving the a warp. It only works with a warp. Okay, so if you have a portal there, yeah. you're not moving the portal. <laughs> we had discussions about how you could move a portal. 
Uh, it's not easy, but you can do it. It's very, very slow. Okay, but this was actually for walking up a, a wharf around. So, you, you know, it might be actually easier to do something to cause the portal to deactivate so you can get a warp and then you can move the warp pretty a lot easier because at the, at the highest level you can move it a thousand feet per day which is still no big shakes but you know you can uh, within a couple of days you can get it like a mile away from where it was inside your castle inside you know into a better defensive position than it was originally because uh, that's usually why people want to do it is because they the, 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 where the warp is is not convenient for the defenses, okay, or the town or whatever, but being able to move it permanently, you know, um, uh, but the whole like moving it like 10 feet per day, man, that's a that's painful. <laughs> I can just like, I mean, because it, it, it wouldn't be like, okay, I moved it 10 feet and now it won't move for another, you know, 23 hours and 50 minutes. No. It's slowly moving for the entire 24 hours. <laughs> it's like, mm -hmm. ouch, you know. So, yeah, definitely want, you know, you'd, you, it, it, I mean, you probably would barely be able to see it moving at 1,000 feet per day. But still, at least it's doing something. You're pretty much doing the, the, the rocket crawl from the, 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 the construction building to the launch pad. Yeah, exactly. You yeah, know, they're, yeah. They're using gallons per mile to move that rocket along with the fuel. Yeah, unbelievable. Uh, I mean, when you think of the weight that the thing is carrying, because it's, it's fully, it's fully, it's fully, is it fully fueled when they move it on that thing? I don't believe it, so. Okay. No, I think they fuel it when it, once it gets to the, uh, the gantry. Okay. All right. But even so, those things are heavy. So, right. Okay. Well, even Anyways. when, I mean, when you had the, the, the shuttle and you had the solid rocket boosters, I'm sure those were fully fueled. Well, of course. I don't, I, I yes. don't know if you can. <laughs> yes, yes. Okay, well, good point. Those solid fuel boosters on the side of the shuttles, they were fully, they're full weight. So when they moved that thing along, you know, so, but I mean, the, I mean, the whole thing was designed for the Saturn V rockets, which were just ginormous. All right. Anyways, so if we get to, we get down to a tuning, which I think is fine. I've, I've, uh, and then we get to the actual uh, different uh, uh, what used to be called problem portals. Time transfer automatically returns the traveler to the <coughs> portal. Uh, that was is really useful. It was really a pain if you went into a world and you knew you only had like you know, two hours and 30 minutes before it yanked you back and then you have to come back and cover the same distance again. You know, it's great if you're just doing some, you know, reconnaissance, which of course is why it made a lot of sense as a, as a portal activation power. Because then when you go out, if you get captured, you know that you're going to suddenly vanish within two hours. You just have to stay alive for that two hours. So not, not so bad, okay. Um, and then there's the, the other one, which really ticked people off because they thought the portal was broken, time lapse, where you can't transit through the portal again until a set duration has passed. And that could be whatever time period you want it to be. As a problem portal, I think it was like, um, like 2D 20 hours or something like that. But... Uh, but I think you can set it for whatever time period you want, so it could literally be years. You could send somebody through a portal, and they wouldn't be able to come back for whatever 
you know, you could basically create jails. Yeah, there uh, there is no time limit. You could say a hundred years, and okay, fine. Yeah, it was used. This can be used to prevent untrustworthy companions from sneaking back through a planetary portal and deactivating the portal, thus marooning the team on a world. Yeah. Yeah, and by the way, that's only true for warps. Yeah. You can't deactivate a, a ring station. So, uh, at least not from the uh, uh, fringe side. Well, I mean, I guess you could theoretically. You could. Well, you can lock it down, I guess. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not, I mean, I don't, I've never heard of someone actually doing that. No, you can't lock it down. You can lock the portal, okay, but you can't deactivate the portal is what I'm trying to say. I've had a long, long week. So, anyways. Um, and it's know, only Wednesday, folks. It's yeah. only Wednesday, yeah. <laughs> you call this hump day. Uh, all right, ghost transfer, that's fine. Uh, now, a uh, mirror transfer where the explorer is uh, is reversed, all their all their proteins and stuff are reversed, which is really great when you go into a world where there's a plague. Uh, I mean, Richard was nice. He, almost every place he said, well, when there's a plague there, but the fringeworthy are immune to it. Like, it, as if going through the portal jacked your immune system up so high it couldn't, it couldn't hurt you. Uh, the bitwise uh, reversal actually makes a lot more sense because you know the, the the bacteria, the disease or whatever, isn't able to affect you because it can't bind with you. The proteins can't bind because you're reversed. You know, it but it also means you have to bring your own um, uh, your own food because you're not going to be able to digest anything that's from this world. Yeah. So you know it's. Uh, uh, but that's you know that that's where you can really do be mean to people. <laughs> uh, the 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 uh, thing that uh, my group just discovered, you know, it's been in the game all this time, was the intermediate area transfer. Okay, where you're able to create a staging area between the portal and the world. So basically, it's like uh, one of those pocket stops where you have a, 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 an entrance portal and an exit portal separated by a distance. I, I don't, th I, 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 I treat it as if it was like just another, like, a, like it was like a mini platform and it had electrostatic dome over it and you couldn't go through it. Uh, and it was just this little area that you could do stuff. The, the thing that's important about it is it allows you uh, electricity and nuclear works, you know, in that area. So you can get your stuff working again before you go out into the next world, which is really important if you have, real, if you have a really um, dangerous world to go to. Uh, you know, if you, if you need to have, um, you know, if it's going to be like pitch black and you need to be able to see, uh, if you, if you're, a, a, if it's Pluto, which is what happened and it's negative 380 degrees Fahrenheit. Okay. That, and, and you're going to be walking out onto that. Well, kind of want your suit to be working <laughs> when you do that, you know, rather than saying, well, I got to wait 10 minutes getting colder and colder and colder <laughs> before my suit will kick back in again and start, uh, you know, uh, working or you know, I can start recharging it from something. Uh, we have one of our characters actually has a uh, giant robot that has a fusion power plant. Well, 
this area allows now allows him to get his robot going so that you know because before he had to go through completely shut down wait for the thing power up the the engines to the point where he could finally go and kickstart the fusion generator and then yeah. the robot could get up and do it well that's a long time so uh this way instead he could be all ready to go and uh he still can't walk on the french pass but in this intermediate area so it's just really kind of nice uh it also um uh, you know, it, it, it allows a lot of other, you know, uh, other things to do that, uh, now I, I, for, it, I don't recall it saying how long that thing lasts. Do you have any information on that? I'm looking, no, I don't see a time limit. It's just as long as you need it. I would imagine it ends as soon as you transfer to the other end. You think yeah, so? Makes sense. Yeah. Okay. Well, maybe that needs to be clarified then. Or maybe when you, when you come back, when you return... It'll stay in effect for you once you go on world, and when you come back off world, it'll you'll return to the intermediate area and then back onto the path. Yeah, it says transiting at the far end completes the trip to the world. So I see you could stay there days. Yeah, and as soon it, as you go through that other portal, you're on the world. Right, but it might also collapse as soon as the last person who's in your group goes through. Well, yeah, then, yeah. then you're on the world anyways, all of you, so... Right, and that means you'd have to reactivate it to come back. Yeah, yeah, I can see that working too, yeah. Well, see, you know, because, you know, it, if you if this thing stays, that means that you can... Uh, you could be in a situation where you have to run back to the portal to, like, for safety, but then you get to the other side and you're in that intermediate area, if it's still there, and your equipment doesn't suddenly go flat. Really important if you're trying to provide, like, you know, uh, resuscitation to somebody who might have gone to death shock. Yeah. Or you need to do some surgery or, you know, something is going on and you need to, uh, you know, somebody, you need to use electrical equipment. <laughs> so uh, it's, a, it's one way of creating an area of safety, you know. But on the other hand, it also, you know, could be... The situation, the GM might not want that because it might be the situation where everybody just stays in there, runs out, and then runs back, and it basically becomes like you know a, a, an interdimensional hidey hole that they can yeah. use forever. And um, well, see, that's the thing I like about it is that in the OGL, that's a crystal use DC of forty, and it's all. I think it's also only for. Oh, no, it's for levels 4 through 11, the keys, but let's face it, you have to be a pretty high-level character to be able to do this. So if you're yeah. using this, you're already going to have abilities where you're not going to need it as a hidey hole. It's just something to power up tech. Well, you know, you say that, but again, you know, the law of equivalencies, you know, the, the GM's going to have you up against, you know, maybe there's a whole horde of, of, of dragons on the other side. You know? It's like. Well, then you all better be high level if you're doing up against that. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, the way we handled it, we just basically put a really high DC or we made you have to be a legendary character before you could get it in Savage Worlds. But, you know, it's that's how however you want to handle it. But, um, you know, I, I, I like the fact that you know, the, the thing that it does 
I, I really didn't see any use for it at all until it was like, okay, but it does provide electricity and nuclear works here. So you, they could actually get their equipment working before they went through the portal. I mean, yeah. That's, that's a really big plus for people who, I mean, and believe me, by the time you get to the level where you'd get it, you're really tired of the fact that every time you go through the portal, none of your none of your best equipment works, unless you're on a world that supports magic and your magic wands and things can, can still operate. Yeah. Right. Okay. So uh, now uh, the next one is mind transfer. Traveler possesses the mind of a worldside creature. Now I'm not sure how it's described in other in, in various editions, but um, because as far as I know, it was uh, it's supposed to be an intelligent person that you can possess the mind. I recently ran an adventure where I let them possess the minds and keep their intelligence of animals. Things that are not normally... Bruce, it says in the OGL, the explorer's body is held between worlds while his or her consciousness displaces the mind of a sentient being or animal while on the planetary side. So, no, animal was well within the rule set. Okay, well, yeah, I, I, I originally thought it was only sentience, but this is allowing... So, you know, I what I did was is that when they went through, they ended up in the body of animals. So somebody was in a lion's body, somebody was in an elephant's body, somebody was a... Uh, in a baboon, and somebody was in a uh, eagle. Yeah. yeah, just from the wording of that, I would say it might, might be prioritizing sentient beings, but if no sentient being is available, then it will default to the nearest animals. Yeah, yeah. So that, that makes sense too. Uh, it, it's uh, they, uh, but of course, I had it as a problem portal where they, uh, uh, you know, they couldn't change it, so they just kept going. You know, they 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 had to deal with this. Um, Okay, so uh, is is that how you would like it? You'd like it to say, well, we're going to prioritize intelligent creatures. That's what I would do. Okay, I like okay. that. Yeah. All right. Um, is there? Uh, it doesn't say what the range on that is, by the way. Well, it says, uh, let's see, the victim suffers nothing but a memory loss and minor consequences of whatever the explorer did with the body while possession of it. Passing through any portal or the death of the host forces the exit of the unarmed fringe or the other on the other side. It's basically until you leave that world. No, that's not what I was asking. I was saying, what's the range? Like, how far across the world can it reach? I would say... If there's, let's say, okay, again, the situation we're in. I had them go into animals. Now... You know, ten miles away, there was a village, and there were villagers in it. So theoretically, if it prioritized intelligence and there's no limit, then uh, then you would go jump. You would all your minds would jump to the villagers, and bypass the uh, the animals entirely. It would only be a world in which there literally was no sentient beings that you would end up in animal bodies. So if you limit the range on that um, ghost transfer, or not ghost transfer, the, the mind transfer, then um, then it, it will say, well, I couldn't find any intelligent people, so you're going to end up in, you know, in a bird or a chipmunk or whatever it is that is on the other side, probably a larger, you know, larger animal. Um, but anyways, that's... Uh, you know, I, I would highly recommend not putting them into insects unless insects are the dominant species on the planet because, you know, it, that's that's the way you dick people over uh, yeah. know, with, with yeah. wishes. You say, I want to be moved into the, you know, in, into a creature that, you know, is invulnerable to attack. You're now a bacteria. Nobody can see you. Nobody can attack you. <laughs> 
But what about the other bacteria? You you rule, man. The other bacteria can't <laughs> hurt you. Okay. Yeah, okay. You're super, you're super virus from like a, out of a nuclear war. Yeah. So anyways, I, I would suggest that the, a, a limitation of distance be placed. Um, the, uh, so that, so that if there are creatures nearby that are intelligent, that's fine. But otherwise you might have to go and, um, you know, I mean, it's up to the GM. What I'm saying is that the GM should make yeah. a decision. The GM wants, you know, if this thing is out in the middle of, of nowhere and uh, like on, on, on an ice sheet near the North Pole and the nearest, you know, uh, the nearest uh, Inuit village is like, you know, 150 miles away uh, and all there is between here and there is polar bear and, and uh, whatever, then... It's it's up to the GM to make to decide you know what that range should be, but I'm just saying is is that um, uh, it's uh, by making a limitation it, it it would therefore you would have a chance of going into a uh, uh, an animal rather than a uh, uh, intelligent being. Uh, I should say a, a sapient, you know, no, normally accepted sapient kind of thing. Yeah. And, and I think that makes it more interesting, but, you know, I, I, I would leave it in G, in the GM area, you know, but to have that flexibility. Uh, but that's, I just wanted to talk about that because that, that ended up being, a, they, they, they kind of liked it, but I think they got very tired of it. Uh, and they finally actually figured out how to get some, uh, they, they bought, brought a person to stand next to the portal and they literally go, they kept going in and out of the portal thousands of times until finally somebody jumped into the poor into into the guy <laughs> so uh it was as i said we well, are randomly appearing in animals not the nearest animal to the portal but just a random area nearby and so they had to keep doing that so this is bruce sheffer saying there are a million, million worlds out there so go explore them and this is trav there's a reason why it's called gaming it's for having fun. Gaming on the Frontier podcast is wholly owned by its hosts. It is released under the Creative Commons 3.0 license. No commercial reproduction and any use of any element of the podcast must be attributed to the Gaming on the Frontier podcast. Hi, this is Trav from the Travcast. Listen to me Tuesday nights, 8 to 10 p.m. Eastern on listen.dementiaradio.org colon 8027.